Mother's Day. The one day a year we set aside to celebrating our sweet moms for all the ways they're so nice to us. Bringing her breakfast in bed, going to church together, buying her flowers and other girly stuff, giving her a little quiet time, making her a nice picture or a card, taking her to dinner, and maybe, just maybe, letting her play Jedi Night Fighters from the planet Typhon with us. Or, you know, whatever she wants. Anything is fine, really. It's your day, Mom. What should we do together? <laughs> yeah. Happy Mother's Day. I'm Kim, and I'm so glad you've come to share this morning with us. It's going to be a fun time together, and I... I just think that that video gives us a a little picture of the pressure that we put on Mother's Day. You know, like it's going to be this magical day in May where all the flowers are blooming and the the sun is shining and, and all the sleepless nights and the hard work and the stretch marks and the long days are going to be worth it because on this one perfect day in May, it's going to be one long extravaganza of love and appreciation to match your impeccable mothering skills. <laughs> That's some pressure, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, it sure seems appropriate that we're doing this series called You Drive Me Crazy because the big picture for me of mother's motherhood is that we get to live at this intersection of doing the most wonderful and the most difficult thing we've ever done, and that'll make you crazy. But you know, we've also been talking about this beautiful thing called empathy. It sounds like sympathy, but it's not. Empathy is when you look into the experience of another person and you just validate the bigness of it all. And you let them know that you are responding with compassion for what that person is experiencing. And do you know, Mother's Day is a great day for empathy that you could express to your mom, the mom in your life, to let her know how you value and appreciate her. And I'm grateful for Ron that he spent that time praying for many different people in, our, in, our, in the room today because I know that Mother's Day can be one of those days that kind of highlights some of the pain in some lives. And if that's you, and today is hard for you, I just want you to know we have prayed for you. I am so glad that you have taken the time to be here. And our prayer is that something that you get here this morning is going to help you on your journey. It is important for us as the church to walk together on the good days and the hard days too. And that means on Mother's Day. Now, whatever your story is, you have a mom. And you are the product of a legacy. Just like Paul wrote to Timothy a long time ago, and he said this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. See, we're all given a legacy, 
And no matter what that legacy looked like, we can learn some life-shaping lessons if we will slow down and look back at generations that came before us. So I am going to share a glimpse with you of the moms in my family, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, and my mom, because I've discovered that looking into their story has brought to life for me some of the words out of the joy book. And I'm not just talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the book that's been entitled the joy book, and that's the book of Philippians. Paul wrote to a church at a town called Philippi, this church he had helped to start. So they're like his spiritual kids. And I just discovered that Paul gave mom some really practical advice in chapter four. So if you brought your Bible, would you go ahead and get it out now? And you know, it'd be great if all of us could just grab this listening guide. It looks like this, because then you can take some notes and, and, um, or draw pictures while I'm talking to you. Okay, so I'm going to start with my great-grandmother. We call her Granny Boone. She was born with the name Zenith Baxter in 1864 in Mississippi. No, I did not know her. My kids think I am that old. Yeah. <laughs> Granny Boone never got to meet her father because his name, well, his name was William Baxter, and he was walking home before her birth from having fought in the Civil War, and he died along the road while walking from Tennessee to Mississippi. So she never met her dad, but she grew up to marry the great-grandson of the brother of the famous Daniel Boone. Now, Ron doesn't believe me (laughs) that he married the descendant of a celebrity. But my mom tells me stories about Granny Boone, And and says that she was really a character. That Granny just got tired one day and went to bed and never got up again. And so she was bedridden and she was mostly blind, or that's what the family thought. But see, my mom played on the high school basketball team. And one day she went to visit her Granny, and Granny said to her, What are you doing with that big two on your back? And those short shorts. And she would always ask my mom, Where'd you park your horse and buggy? Now, my Granny Boone must have chewed tobacco, and they called it dipping snuff. And my mom remembers the day that Granny asked her, you started dipping yet? (laughs) I'm glad to report that my mom hasn't started dipping yet. You never know. She might surprise me one day. That would be a shock. Now, Mom tells me that when she would visit Granny, Granny would ask her to pull out her Bible and read to her. And while my mom would read, Granny would sit up in her bed in her nightgown with her hair up in a bun, and she'd say, that's right, that's right, agreeing with the Bible, my mom said. Granny was confident in God. She was holding on to her faith. And, you know, hearing that, I thought, what a picture, what a statement Granny was making, having her granddaughter read to her like that. It reminds me of Paul in Philippians 4 when he said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. He's saying, hold on to him. Stay confident in God. He said, I love you, and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. You know, hearing Paul talk like that, I love you. I long to see you. You're my joy, my crown I get for all this work. I think Paul was a mother. You know, with all that a mother invests, I thought you moms might resonate with that. 
And you know, moms repeat themselves a lot, right? About the things that they really believe. Well, listen to what Paul kept saying. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Paul repeated himself like a mom. And the message that I think Paul communicated over and over was this. A mom's joy is based on her confidence in God. That's the truth for all of us. Our joy comes from our confidence in him. You know, when I hear about the hardships that Granny went through, it helps me pay better attention and respect her deep confidence in God. But even more, when I learn about the hardships that Paul, the apostle, went through, and I hear him say, stay true to the Lord, I'll tell you again, rejoice, I realize these are not cheap words. These are hard-fought words out of the mouth of a man who really suffered. I want to tell you why this is so current for me. Here's a picture that, um, of, a, of a place that we stood next to in Rome on a tr- recent trip Ron and I got to take to Italy. We stood next to this prison that is considered to be the very place where Paul spent the last two years of his life. It's a, it was a cold, rat-infested, miserable dungeon. Now, Paul spent a lot of his time in prison for being bold for Christ. In fact, a lot of the writing that he did that is in our Bible came from a prison cell where he would write. And he would say, stay true to the Lord. The ceiling in this cell is not even tall enough for most people to stand up straight. But Paul would say, I'll tell you again, rejoice. His life was ended when the lunatic emperor Nero decided to take his resentment out on Christians for a fire that took place in Rome. So he had Paul taken outside the city limits and beheaded after these two years here. And yet Paul said, stay true to the Lord, I'll tell you again, rejoice. You know, I hear Paul saying, no matter what life dishes out, maybe you feel like you're bedridden and blind. Maybe you feel like you're in a rat-infested dungeon. But stay true to the Lord. Hold on to your confidence in him. Well, next, I want to tell you about my grandmother. We called her Ma Boone. Her name was Verna. And she was born in 1900. Her brother's names were Hootie, Hubert, Hulbert, Harold, and Homer. I'm not kidding. You, know, you remember how Donald, in Donald Duck it was Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Well, her sister's names are Verna, Velma, Vera, and Virgie. <laughs> Ma Boone was married to a farmer who died when the youngest of their three kids was quite young. So she raised that boy pretty much alone. And her life was spent with very little in a material sense. And when I knew Ma Boone, her health had failed. She was quite infirmed with Parkinson's disease. She was pretty much housebound. She had had cataracts removed back when it meant lying motionless in a hospital bed with sandbags holding her head absolutely still for two weeks straight. Her glasses were so heavy that they would wear holes in her skin on her nose. And I remember noticing my Ma Boone never complained. You know, she was a fabulous Southern cook. Her love language was food. I'm talking chicken and dumplings. And the most delectable sour cream pound cake you can ever imagine. I mean, she would make a cherry icebox pie and have it in that refrigerator every time I came for a visit. 
And here's a picture of the front porch steps. My Pa Boone built that house. And this is my Ma Boone and my mom and her younger brother. I remember those steps so well because that's where I caught thousands of roly polies. <laughs> the, picture, the picture doesn't include one of the brothers. My mom had an older brother named Uncle Duan who went off to fight in World War II. And he was an airplane mechanic on a ship that was designed for fixing airplanes. And he was gone off in the South Pacific for three years straight. And I can't imagine how hard that was for my Ma Boone. In fact, I bet there's some parent in the room here today who has been through this. Or, and, you know, I just salute you. I cannot imagine how torturous. It is for a parent to go for months at a time not knowing about the safety of their child. But my mom Boone would talk about those days, and she would say this about those years. I would love to wake up in the night so I could talk to the master. And when I heard, that, when I heard her say that, it just struck me that what she recalled wasn't torturous, hand-wringing worry but it was the precious time she could spend in prayer for her son. You know, it's just like Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You know this, perhaps. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As I think about Ma Boom choosing to do that, I just think she knew this. A mom's joy is found in praying for her kids. That may sound simplistic, but this is graduate-level stuff when you're a mom. You know what I mean. When your child is in danger, even the potential of danger, when you're not able to step in and fix a single thing, you know, worry will make you crazy. You know what I've decided? Worry is like fleas. It's like fleas. See, I found one flea on my dog before we went on this trip. And I failed to do anything about it. I forgot it. I didn't check the other dog. I didn't look at the house. And we went on this two-week trip and put our dog in, in the house of a friend. I bet you're glad it wasn't your house. <laughs> well, what happened was we left the house dogless we came home to a flea infested house they were leaping onto our legs you know why they multiplied because i tolerated their presence it's like worry worry multiplies when we put up with it paul says don't worry about anything anything he says deal with each worry by prayer with thanksgiving and what paul is describing it excites me because it's not Pie in the sky thinking. Do you know this could be a reality for you and me? <laughs> the most effective deterrent to worry, I've been researching flea pesticides, so this is kind of where I'm at. Okay, what kills worry the fastest is right there in verse 6. I'd like you to say this verse out loud with me. Ready? Go. And thank him for all he has done. That's it. That's your arsenal. Thanking God that he is at work right now and you're going to experience his peace it will guard your heart imagine living in the peace of god you know what it's going to two things are going to happen when you pray now this is not on your notes if you want to you might write them down the first thing is it will help others 
You know why? Imagine you're going to have peace of God all over you, and it's going to leak onto others. You're going to become a joy leaker instead of a crazy maker. You know, here's a quote from John Ortberg. This guy is profound, I think, at the same time that he's pretty funny. He says this, Make living out of this reality, this habit of praying instead of worrying, your first priority for roughly the same reason that airline passengers are told to put on their own oxygen masks before trying to help the passengers next to them. It is very hard for a dead person to help anybody. Mom, you want to help others? This is how. When you experience the peace of God yourself, that's when others are going to look at you, and in the words of an old movie, they're going to say, I'll have what she's having. See, not only will it help others when you pray, but secondly, because of the power that you have in heavenly places, God is going to move. Do you realize That the devil's greatest concern is that you pray. You know, he doesn't care if you're up to your eyeballs in work as long as you're not praying. He doesn't care or get worried that you are an eager Bible student as long as you are little in prayer. Someone has wisely said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Well, next, I want to tell you uh, about a woman named Peg. She's my mom. She's my favorite woman on this earth. In fact, you know, I'm excited that next week she's going to come for a visit, and you might get to meet her. If you met her, you would find her outgoing and a good listener and very southern, very articulate, too. As I re- and I reflect on my years as her daughter, and I just realized she has raised the bar of excellence for me. I respect my 85-year-old mom because even though she's not perfect, what I've noticed is the trajectory of her life. She aims at doing life with God. You know, we've been through some pretty dark times together, but I can tell she plans on doing life with God. My mom is a student of the Bible, and she's been teaching the Bible to others as long as I can remember. But I've noticed that she doesn't just douse others with knowledge. I've noticed that she really cares about the women that she teaches. I remember standing in the kitchen and overhearing her side of phone conversations. Perhaps it was a woman struggling with cancer. And she would say, what can we find you to eat that would just taste good? Or she might be talking to a woman who was struggling with loneliness. And she would say, tell me. Tell me about some detail of your life. And my mom would really listen. And I would stand in the kitchen and just marvel at how practical my mom was in her care for these women. There's another thing I admire. Even though she's not wealthy, she's really smart with money. And one non-negotiable for my mom is in the area of tithing. You know, that's when you give God a percentage of your money right off the top. And she even tithed on my dad's life insurance policy. And I remember her talking about the joy she felt over investing in future generations. When she gave to a building project her church was doing, she said she talked about people hearing the life-saving message of Christ and how that made her feel so good. She talked about how God is so faithful to meet her needs. You know, my mom just aims high. 
And she makes me think of what Paul says in verse 8 here when he goes, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul is saying, aim high. Do life God's way. Don't settle for mediocre. And then he goes on. He says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Do you hear him coaching his beloved kids? He says, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Would you circle those last three words, saw me doing? Then the God of peace will be with you, he says. See, Paul is saying, hey, I'm not going to be with you forever. You've got a a future stretching out before you. So do it with God. I have shown you how. I think Paul is so gutsy. I can't wait to meet him when we get to heaven. You see, he's teaching us the power that a parent has just by living boldly in front of their kids. He's saying that a mom's joy is found in modeling the with God life. You might want to write that down. Doing life God's way. You know how I know that modeling makes a difference? It's not just in the positive things I got from my mom. But, you know, it kind of, I see her influence in a character blemish that I have. Is that a delicate enough word, blemish? Now, of course, my mom didn't cinch it for me, but it was a factor, this, this thing. My mom struggled with worry. She'll tell you. She was different than her mom before her. And she gave me permission to share this with you today, that she worried a lot. She tells about a moment with my dad that she will never forget. I remember, we still laugh about it because my dad loved to read the cartoons. And one Saturday morning, he says, hey, Peg, come come see this. This is you. And here's the cartoon. An old guy struggles out of his chair. And he turns off the TV, he stretches, and he goes, well, honey, I'm going to bed. Are you coming? And the old gal says, no, dear, you go ahead. I'm going to sit up and worry a while. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad just burst out laughing, and my mom still laughs because she knows it was the truth. And I watched my mom worry while I grew up. And then when I flew the nest, I discovered that I was pretty good at it too. This is embarrassing because just three verses ago, I was talking about praying rather than worrying. But maybe this is why I'm so grateful and I'm so passionate about what Paul is teaching us about living under the peace of God instead. Because looking back, I see that I didn't just emulate my mom. No, I took it to a whole new level. I became peg point five. You know, the next generation, the updated version. You know, I turned worry into an art form. Do you realize it's actually my spiritual gift? (laughs) Maybe there is some part of the legacy that you were given that is not doing you any favors. It's possible. Everybody has something, I think. But do you know the good news? None of us has to stay stuck. You don't have to stay stuck.
stuck, and I don't have to stay stuck. My mom and I talk all the time about the headway we're making in this area, and I get so excited when I climb on top of a worry really fast by turning it into prayer and thanking God, and I just have to say, yippee, God, my Father, I am experiencing transformation. This is what it looks like. And that leads me to the last bit I wanted to share with you today, my own personal miraculous aha about being a mom, and that is that a mom finds joy by growing on the journey, right along with her kids. I've talked about generations of moms before me, and now I'm a mom, and because I am, I have grown in my soul. You know, from the moment you start out as a parent, I think you get to learn this thing, this uncomfortable word really called surrender from the moment they clip that umbilical cord and there comes this space between you and this baby that you've been carrying or like when we had we got our second baby it was through adoption and it was the same thing that baby was laid in my arms finally I got to hold my child but then I put her down or I let someone else hold her and there comes this space between me and my child It's what defines them as an individual. And I sense God starting to teach me a process of surrendering what I love most back to him, to let him shape them. Here's a snapshot from pretty early in my journey as a mom. They're 20 and 15 at this point, right now today. But this was the magical moment when our Ryan, who was five and a half, got to meet his newborn baby sister, Jordan. As you can see, she's pretty ticked at the moment. (laughs) But here is a picture that's a little more put together. It looks idyllic and fun, doesn't it? All I can say is, Louise is an amazing photographer (laughs) because we all had our issues. Now, of course, we had fun, but I wanted to do everything right as a mom. I worked really hard to raise these two, but someone has said, parenting is really a setup for failure (laughs) because, you see, what works so beautifully when they're very little, you know, high control, Providing for their every need, it's so necessary when they're very little. But as they get older, it's absolutely the wrong thing. And no one tells you when to put the clutch in. So the ride is jerky. (laughs) And you're growing. You're learning on this journey, even though you're supposed to be the adult. And what starts out as a small separation initially, over time, it changes. And the stakes get higher. Once they kicked inside of you, and now they're outside of you, and then as they get older, this separation requires a very deep surrender. And there have been moments along my journey, in my most agonizing times as a parent, when I have sensed God saying to me, are you ready to grow? Will you trust me and surrender what you love the most? You know, it's not just about being a parent. Every person on their journey with God will have many points of deep surrender with God. Surrender that is so rock bottom that what you get back from God is silence. When the hurt and the pain can be overwhelming and you have no promise of the outcome. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called surrender. I'm talking about the kind of surrender with God that is so completely at the bedrock of your soul. 
that these moments of darkness threaten to overwhelm you. And, you know, I discovered that those moments of darkness are actually the times when you get to move beyond a verbal assent that you are a God follower and you get to discover for yourself that he is really there and he is really good even in that dark moment. We have a mom here with us named Beth. She's a part of our Twin Cities family, and she is still early on her journey as a mom, and it's been hard, but she's growing. She's learning that God is really using it. So I'd like to ask you, would you please welcome Beth? Thanks. Good morning. Um, happy Mother's Day. I'm really happy really happy to be here and share with you how Jesus is working in my life and the lives of my family. Um, I'm a wife and mother of two young boys. They are four and two. Their names are River and Bear, and so with names like that, you know we're from Nevada County. Right? <laughs> I'm also a stepmother of two lovely young women and a very, very young grandmother. Just letting you know. <laughs> My family and I have been coming to Twin Cities for a little bit over a year, and we were invited by our really great friends. They're here at this service. It's going to be a little bit more emotional. Uh, many, many, many times before we actually came. And that's really funny because I never thought that I would bring my kids to a church like this. Just, but I know now that God has a different plan. Um, and I've been on a personal journey with Christ for about nine and a half months now. And one of the absolutely beautiful things about being a new Christian is just the newness of it all, right? The discovery, the beauty of the transformation. And I get the added joy of experiencing all of this alongside and through the eyes of my little boys. Shortly after joining Twin Cities, I started attending MOPS, which is the Mothers of Preschoolers program, and the Ladies Bible Study. And during these Groups is where I started to feel like I belong here. And also during these groups and at Sunday service, my kids get to go to childcare where they get loved up by some amazing people and they often get a Bible lesson too. And so oftentimes I will go and pick up my oldest son and he will have learned something about the Bible or about Jesus that I don't know. Um, for example, recently I picked him up and he was jumping up and down at the door. Hey, mommy, mommy, do you know what Jesus did? No. Will you tell me? <laughs> He said, Mommy, Jesus washed his friend's feet. And guess what, Mommy? Teacher washed my feet just like Jesus. And my feet were stinky. <laughs> and in the weeks leading up to Easter, Jerry Dillon, one of the teachers, um, shared with me that as she was discussing the cross, River shook his head and told his peers, uh-oh, here comes the bad part. And my son, four years old, is learning how to pray, and he prays at dinner something like, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful food. And my things 
the way other kids do or at the same time. And that news was heartbreaking and really hard and put a lot of strain on our family. So you couldn't look into his big blue eyes. They're so full of light and joy and tell me there was anything wrong with him. But no mom and no parent ever wants their child to experience more challenges than other kids. And I was angry and I was asking why. Why? So in March, I went with my best friend to the ladies' spring getaway with the full intention of taking my grievances to the table, to, letting, for, to let God know that I was angry and scared for my baby. The women in my Bible study group assured me that God was big enough for all that. I wasn't sure. You know what? God showed up. He showed up in Scripture. He showed up with one of those discovery moments that I'm used to sharing with my son, River. By reading a verse for the very first time, I got to discover something about my God. And the verse is Zephaniah 3.17 and says, The Lord God is among you. And he is a mighty savior. He delights in you with gladness. With his love, he calms your fears. He will rejoice over you with song. And I thought of all those times I had actually held my babies. You know, shushing them, rocking them, calming them, loving them up. Absolutely delighted that they were mine in my arms, holding them. And all the times I had really experienced a pure sense of joy by singing some silly song to them. And I thought, if someone like me could experience that kind of love and give that kind of love, how much greater could my God love? And I saw this picture in my mind of my Lord holding me this way, holding me and my family in loving arms the way a mom holds a baby, just like that. Now, I don't know if God creates challenges or if God just uses those challenges to bring us closer to him. We haven't received any real answers to all the whys I was demanding of God, but motherhood has taught me that it is far more important just to give love than to have all the answers. And I feel like I am experiencing God's love in a really big way calming my fears, and full of a joyous song. And I'm really glad I got to share that with you this morning. Wow. Beth is growing. And we're so grateful that you would share such a tender part of your story with us, Beth. Did you notice the turning point for her? It was when she surrendered to his love. She stopped demanding answers and she began to experience God's love for her. In fact, I think that that's so important that you might want to just write it in the margin somewhere. It's not just that a mom's joy is in growing, but it's through surrender to God's love. That's the important part. This week in a Facebook post, Beth wrote to the world and she talked about the, how she and her husband have been through so many situations that have been really hard this year. She talked about the end of a career, long-term unemployment, illness, surgery, multiple diagnostic procedures, heartache, fear, uncertainty, and then a really difficult diagnosis for their little boy. And then she went on to say in her Facebook post that she was trusting a big God who has a purpose and she surrendered to him. I'm just so grateful, Beth, for your bold, 
share with us in the world about that. Thank you. You know, Paul talks about hard situations in, in verse 12, and he talks about a growth that we can all experience through them. He says this, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And he goes on to share something I bet you've heard before somewhere. I would like to ask if you would read this promise out loud with me. Are you ready? Here we go. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Do you notice what that promise does not say? It doesn't say I can do everything, period. You know, like you pull up your own bootstraps and you set your jaw and you just gut it out. That's not it at all. It is through Christ. He's the one with the strength, not you. You know, I want to know, are there certain things like me that you, when you think of them, they just bring up dread inside of you, like, like, I could never handle that. Maybe it would be a challenge in your child's life, like Beth has experienced. Or maybe it would be the departure of your last kid and giving you an empty nest. Or maybe it would be a sudden illness or a financial setback or the death of a loved one. Or maybe it would be your adult child moving back in with you into your meticulously clean house with their two toddlers. You know, for every person, there is some circumstance that you're just not sure you can handle. But the Bible says you can face anything through Christ. See, it's through the journey that you're on and the very situation you face today that God is holding out an invitation to you to know him as your father. It's through surrender to the one who surrendered everything for you. And Dave and the team have come now to share a song with us about that, about God's song of love he wants to sing over you. So let's listen to this. You unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me
Yeah. Can we all just bow our heads and talk to the Father for a moment here? Oh God, we thank you. How can we thank you enough for being that kind of Father? Lord, no matter what we faced in our past, that you want your blood to run through our veins 
And you want to adopt every one of us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for making a way. You may be here today and sensing that you were given a legacy that is somehow a setback for you. Maybe something was modeled for you that you feel like you need to overcome. Maybe it was fear or worry or anger or depression or lying or substance abuse. Do you know that God is holding out his arms wide to you, outstretched for you? That song we just heard whispers that message. He wants you to experience being his very own. You know, he looks into your life, and do you know what he doesn't have towards you is judgment. God's looking into your life and saying, I have empathy. I know what you've been through. He wants to show you a new freedom. He wants to deliver you from slavery to that thing, whatever it was. Maybe this morning what you'd like to say to God is I want to be the game changer for my whole family. I want to begin a new legacy. I don't want to carry on any, any longer the way it's been going. Maybe you want to say to the Lord is simply thank you. Thank you for the mom I was given, for the grandma, for the legacy that I received because it's through that that I came to know you and trust you. Maybe you could express that kind of gratitude to her later today. Or if she's gone on to be with the Lord, maybe you could spend some time with the, with the Lord, journaling about the difference that was made in your life through that amazing legacy. Whatever it is, maybe you could whisper in your soul right now to the Lord and ask him, Lord, I just want to ask you to give me strength to be that game changer in my family. Help me to be the link in the chain that holds on to confidence and trust in you. Lord, I want to surrender to your love, the love that you showed me through Christ. And I'm just going to trust you, God, to show me what's next. I thank you that I am not a slave to what I have seen in my past. And Lord, I want to pray for the moms in the room today and thank you for them. I ask that you'd strengthen them to stay confident in you, Lord, no matter what they face. I pray that you'd give that mom strength to pray for her kids and know that it's the biggest impact that she could have on their lives. I pray that you would help all of us moms to model what it looks like to live a with God life. And Lord, I pray for us all that we may continue our journey of growth with you. Thank you that that's what you dream and desire for each one of us. Thank you for meeting us here in this place today. It's in the strong name of Jesus that we trust and we pray. Amen.